Uh, our message tonight um, is entitled A Love Story. Uh, it is also called The City of Fire. And uh, this, is, this is a message that I pray that will leave us. It will leave us <clears throat> truly desiring to get a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask that you pray for me as I'm up here speaking. And I am about to pray as you bow your heads for the Spirit of God to be with us. Heavenly Father, we um, come before you one last time. Recognizing that we are all miserable, wretched, naked, and blind. We need you, Lord. We need you to come and tabernacle with us this evening. We need you to speak to us. We need you to draw our hearts and bind them to yours. We ask that Jesus would be lifted up tonight and that we will be drawn by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if you would open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 28. And we will start reading in verse 13. <clears throat> Speaking of Lucifer, the Bible says there, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, <clears throat> the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. The Bible tells us that Lucifer in heaven was not only a beautiful angel, not only did he uh, uh, hold a high place in heaven, but the Bible tells us that Lucifer walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. What does that mean? <clears throat> If you would open with me or turn rather to the book of Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24 and verse 17. The Bible says, And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. The fire, the stones of fire that 
Lucifer walked up and down in, in heaven, represented the fact that Lucifer walked up and down in the very glory of God. The very presence of God. But the fire also represents something else, and I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the Song of Solomon, chapter 8. The Song of Solomon, chapter 8, and I'd like for you to look with me at verse 6. The Bible says there, Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave, the coals thereof are coals of fire, which has a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench what? Love. So let's put this together. When the Bible tells us that Lucifer walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, he was walking up and down in the very presence and glory of the Father. But not only that, he was walking up and down, he was surrounded in the very essence of God's love. Can you imagine? I want you to understand that in the Bible, the fire of God represents His love. And Lucifer was surrounded by this fire, surrounded by this love. And when we, we are told that Lucifer left this place, he rebelled against the law of God. And we understand that the law of God is really a law of what? Of love. In fact, when God wrote that law on tables of stone, He wrote the law in fire. Lucifer walked up and down in the very presence of God's love. And when He rejected that love, He was cast out from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, it's interesting that there was a vacancy in heaven when Lucifer was cast out from those stones of fire. And we understand that mankind was created in part to fill that vacancy. Amen? God is going to repopulate heaven with humanity. So when God created Adam and Eve, it's no wonder and no surprise that Adam and Eve were actually created with the ability to stand in the presence of God. Now you understand that the Bible says that our God is a what? Consuming fire. But Adam and Eve in their perfection were able to stand in the presence of God and not be consumed. However, when sin entered, what did Adam and Eve do? They went running. Let me read a statement to you from the book Education, page 15. Face-to-face, heart-to-heart communion with his maker was Adam's high privilege. What? Face-to-face. Let me ask you, can anybody see the face of God and live? 
No. Why? Because they would be destroyed by his presence. But we're told here in Adam and Eve's perfection, face-to-face, heart-to-heart communion was his with his maker. Had he remained loyal to God, all this would have been forever. But his disobedience, but by disobedience, this was forfeited. Through sin, the divine likeness was marred and well-nigh obliterated. So when sin entered in, Adam and Eve went running from God because God is a what? Consuming fire. But their concept of God is all that had really changed. Anybody like fire? It keeps you warm, right? But we don't like to put our hands what? In the fire. When Adam and Eve sinned, before Adam and Eve sinned, they could walk up and just talk to God and it was nothing. In fact, it's almost like they were fireproof. But then when sin enters, they suddenly realize that they are naked and I believe that they had robes of light around them. Now, robes of light, and ah, you're not thinking of this kind of light. In those days, light simply meant fire. Robes of fire. And that's not a far-fetched thought because you know that in the book of Revelation, we are told that God's people will be given white robes, and the word for white is the Greek lampros, which means lamps. How did they light lamps in those days? Electricity? Fire. Can you imagine that? Robes of fire? Woo! Who wants to put what on? <laughs> and, and so, God now comes to Adam and Eve in the garden and they're running from him and God realizes, I shouldn't use the word realize, but God understands that he is now, he now must put into, into place a plan that will allow mankind to once again stand face to face with his maker. <clears throat> the gospel then is really simple in its purpose. It is to bring us to that place where we will be prepared for the second coming of Jesus and not be consumed. How does the gospel seek to do this? Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. So there is a spiritual baptism of fire that prepares us to stand in the presence of God who is a consuming, what? Fire. What does that fire represent that we're baptized with? God's love. Have you ever felt a burning in your heart? For somebody special. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> it, it's like a fire. Ever felt the fire? 
Okay, some of you don't want to get in trouble. I understand. But the gospel is designed to reignite the fire in our hearts. Amen. To prepare us to stand in the presence of God. And so to me, it, it, it comes as no surprise that the gospel is often explained in the terms of a love story. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also, what? Loved the church and gave himself for it. The gospel, beloved, is a love story. Amen? And, and what's really interesting about this, beloved, is that when we get to the book of Revelation, I'm going to say something that may shock you, but Revelation is the ultimate love story. It is the story of a bride, a bridegroom, and an antagonist who says, in essence, give me a couple of moments with your woman and I bet you that I can steal her heart. Huh? Who's the bride? The church. Who's the bridegroom? Jesus. And who's the antagonist? Satan. It's a love story. Anybody like love stories? <laughs> It's, 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 hmm. listen to this quote, Christ's Object Lessons, page 415. It is the darkness of misapprehension of God that is enshrouding the world. Men are losing their knowledge of his character. It has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. At this time, a message from God is to be proclaimed a message illuminating in its influence and saving in its power. His character is to be made known. Into the darkness of this world is to be shed the light of his glory, the light of his goodness, mercy, and truth. Those who wait for the bridegroom's coming are to say to the people, Behold your God. The last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of love. Did you get that? The last message to be given to the world is a revelation of the character of his love. One thing will be certainly understood from the study of Revelation that the connection between God and his people is close and decided. And I remember first reading that quote and saying, how do you get that? What do you mean when you study the book of Revelation, you're going to see this love story between God and his people? But beloved, indeed, that is what it is. And let me say this, the purpose of the revelation of Jesus Christ is to prepare us for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? The purpose of the revelation of Jesus Christ is to prepare us to stand in the face of Jesus without being what? Consumed. 
And so, beloved, as we begin to unfold this concept of revelation as a love story, you know, uh, uh, we often look at this book and we grit our teeth and say, man, this is a military book. Last day events is all about military conflict for us. Who will be able to stand? Who's going to grit their teeth the hardest? But, beloved, I want to share with you today a new view of the book of Revelation. It's an old view, really. It's just maybe you haven't seen it this way. Because last day events is really about love. Those who love Jesus the most are the ones that make it through the time of trouble. It's a love story. And it's amazing because when Jesus first came on the scene... John the Baptist served as the friend of the bridegroom. What does the friend of the bridegroom do? I mean, he's like the guy that that goes between the bride and the bridegroom. And what did John the Baptist do? John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way. He went to the bride saying, listen, you've got to get ready because the bridegroom is what? Is coming. But we know what happened to John the Baptist. John the Baptist died. He was beheaded. In the book of Revelation, we are introduced to a new friend of the bridegroom. Who is the new friend of the bridegroom? It is John, the revelator. John is now the man that God, that Jesus has chosen. So John is now the go-between between the bridegroom and the bride. John turns and writes what the bridegroom tells him, and then he goes to the bride and he says, Listen, bride, this is what you need to do to be ready for the wedding. John is the new bride or friend of the bridegroom. And so, beloved, what we understand now is that the book of Revelation is really a love letter from Jesus. Anybody ever receive a love letter? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) John the Baptist is writing and he's saying, this is coming from the heart of the bridegroom and this is his desire for his bride. And so now as we begin to look at the book of Revelation and just skim through it very briefly, we find that Revelation chapter 2 and 3 opens up with the seven churches. And beloved, all that is is the story of the bride and the bridegroom, or rather the, the, the bridegroom seeking after his bride and the antagonist trying to corrupt the bride. And it begins with the first church, Ephesus, and what is the letter? You have left your first love. And what do we find? Down through the ages, those seven churches go lower and lower and lower and lower, but guess what happens by the Laodicean church? Did you know the Laodicean church returned to their first love? See, all we read is a negative about Laodicean. Oh, you look warm, wretched, miserable. The Laodicean church, the word Laodicea actually means the people of the judgment. And the time is coming when God's church will say, Lord, judge me because I'm ready and I want you to know that I love you. 
And then we get to Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. And beloved, we have a beautiful scene there because Jesus is seen before his father. And what's happening there is he is getting permission to pursue the bride. And so Revelation chapter 5 and 6, or rather chapter 6, opens up with a rider on a white horse. Who is that rider on the white horse? It's Jesus. And what is he riding forth to do? The Bible says he's riding forth conquering and to conquer. What is he trying to conquer? What is he out to conquer? He is like that knight in shining armor, beloved, riding after his church. Amen? He is going forth. He's got that arrow in his hand, that bow in his hand, and he's going forth to conquer the hearts of his people. It's a love story. And the seven seals depict the same thing. It depicts the bridegroom or the, or the, the antagonist, rather, doing all he can to attack the bride. We get down to Revelation chapter 8 through 11 and we find the seven trumpets, how the enemy of souls would seek to destroy, to manipulate, to bring in false doctrines and false teachings into the bride. We move further down, we get to Revelation chapter 12, we find the woman hiding in the wilderness because she is so in love with Jesus. She says, Satan, you can chase me all day long, but I will not give you my hand. She's hiding where? In the wilderness and then beloved in revelation chapter 13 because the devil has done all he can and because he has tried to bribe and tried to manipulate in revelation chapter 13 we find all this gathering the gathering of of the forces of the beast the dragon the false prophet all trying to gather to force the bride to reject jesus and does Jesus leave his church to be attacked? No, because in Revelation 14, we find the counter forces in the three angels' messages. Amen? We find God sending these three angels to tell his bride, this is how you ought to prepare for the last days. This is how you ought to stand against the beast and his image and his mark. And then, beloved, we get to Revelation chapter 15, the seven final plagues. Did you know that the seven final plagues is a love story? Because, beloved, as, 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 as the world is gathering around to destroy the people of God, those seven plagues are, in essence, God's manifestation of His love for His church. And what He's saying is, you will not touch my woman. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> A love story. In Revelation chapter 17, we find introduced the devil's girlfriend. And what the devil's girlfriend does is she tries to get to the bride and say, Look, you know, if we were in the 90s, she would say, You're a 90s woman. You don't need a man. You are your own woman. And she tries to, to influence and she comes with all her stuff decked down and she's trying to get the pure looking woman to look like her. And that's why in Revelation 18, God destroys the girlfriend. 
Don't play with my bride. <laughs> Babylon is fallen, is fallen. She's cast into the sea. And, and, and the, 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 the wicked stand weeping afar off for her, for her smoke ascending. And then we get to Revelation chapter 19, beloved. And we have <laughs> the bride coming to rescue the bridegroom. The bridegroom, I'm sorry, coming to rescue the bride. We have Jesus riding forth on that white horse with the armies of heaven and he is coming to save his woman. Amen. And then in Revelation chapter 20, we have the thousand year honeymoon. A thousand years, Jesus will come here to spend the honeymoon with us, beloved. He takes us. You know, can you imagine getting married and women getting married and spending the honeymoon in your parents' house? Like, okay. No, no, you'd be like, what kind of man is this? Jesus comes and he takes his woman and they are off for a thousand year time in glory. And then Revelation chapter 21, happily ever after. It's a love story. And beloved, the point is that only those who love Jesus so much in the last days that they will give anything for him, only those are the ones that make it through last day events. Now, uh, you know, we think of love story. We think of an emotional connection, don't we? And, 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 you know, I think so often when we think about love for Jesus, we think of this kind of love. Yes, Jesus, we love you. And, and you know, I mean, you know, husbands, how many of you, honey, I love you. In fact, it's funny, beloved, because you know what we say as Adventists? We say, you know what? What is love? And we say, love is a what? Principle. (laughs) So, honey, I love you. Why? Because it's principle. No, we don't say that, beloved, when when we're talking about someone that we love. Yes, love is a principle, but that principle includes an emotional connection. Amen? And so in the same way, beloved, we might love the doctrines of this church. Huh? We might love the teachings. We might love the truth. But, beloved, it's different from loving Jesus. You must have an emotional connection with Christ. And I'm not talking about emotionalism where everything you do is dependent upon emotion. But what I am saying, beloved, is that you must, you must say, did not our hearts burn? Did not our hearts burn? And so now, beloved, it gets really interesting because you need to understand something here. Uh, Did you know, I'd like for you to turn to the book. Let me ask you, what book in the Bible 
is the least read book because you wonder what in the world is this book doing in the Bible? <laughs> there you go. The Song of Solomon, what in the world is this book doing in the Bible? But beloved, I have come to believe that the Song of Solomon is a prophetic book. What is it about? It's a love story. It's, it's about a man by the name of who? Solomon. Who is Solomon anyway? Solomon is the who? Son of, son of David. Who else was called son of David? Jesus. Could it be that, for those of you who were here for my uh, afternoon meeting, could it be that Jesus is the second Solomon? And if he is the second Solomon, then who is the woman that Solomon is speaking to in his book? The church. And so, beloved, it is very possible in my understanding that the Song of Solomon may actually be a complementary book to the book of Revelation. In fact, notice that it is called the Song. The what? The Song of Solomon. And in the book of Revelation, they speak about the song of who? Of the Lamb. And I just wonder, could it be possible that these two songs are connected? Could it be possible that those who learn the song of Solomon, which is a song of love, are the ones who will end up singing the song of the Lamb, which is a song of victory? So let me show you some things here in the book of Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon. In Revelation chapter 18, you don't need to turn there. In Revelation chapter 18, the Bible speaks of this power named Babylon that will try to induce the whole world to drink of the wine. And I want to show you that as we open the book of the Song of Solomon, the very first verse is pregnant with, with, with prophetic meaning. So, Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Notice verse 2, rather. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. This is the bride speaking. What is it that keeps God, God's people from partaking of the wine of Babylon in the last days? They're like, why would I want the wine of Babylon? Jesus, I'm, in, I'm so much in love with you that your love is better than the wine of that harlot. You see, a love story. In fact, when it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, the first word there, kiss, is actually translated in the Hebrew as armed. So let him arm me with the kisses of his mouth. God's people, beloved, in the last days are armed with the love of Jesus. So anybody want to be armed? We've got to be armed, beloved, with this incredible love for Christ. And notice verse 4. She goes on to say, draw me, we will run after thee. 
The king has brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice. Listen, when Jesus was, on, was here on earth, what did he say to his disciples? And I, if I be what? Lifted up from the earth, will do what? Draw all men unto me. The bride, speaking of her bridegroom, is so in love with Jesus and what he did on the cross for her. Let me tell you something. Ooh, I love sharing this story. My brother... Uh, 6'9", went to Penn State University, proposed to his girlfriend on the day of her graduation. So you know, Penn State University, thousands of people there. And uh, he made this, this, this uh, uh, poster. And on the poster it said, Will you... Marry me, Stacy. So he goes up and he's in the top, you know, one of the top bleachers. And, you know, she's getting ready to walk across the stage. And suddenly my brother, all six, nine of him, lets that thing down. And one person looks up. Probably a girl's. Somebody. And all of a sudden, you know, Stacy looks up and she's right there on the stage getting her thing. And there's a sign. And all, every, all the girls in the place are crying. <laughs> and everything is so romantic. And all that's going on. And, and, and it, will you marry me? And beloved, let me tell you, 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood before the watching universe and stretched out his hands and said, will you Marry me. Will you marry me? And so, beloved, the bride, as she is reading here, as we are reading here, she is remembering the proposal of Jesus Christ on the cross. And she's saying, how can I? How can I? No thank you, Babylon. No wine for me. No wine for me. It's a love story, beloved. Psalm 16, or rather Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. The bride is still speaking. Behold, thou art fair, my beloved, yea, pleasant. Also our bed is green. Our bed is green. What in the world is she talking about? Our bed is green. You want to find out? Go with me to Psalm 23. Hold your place there. Go with me to Psalm. Psalm chapter 23. You get this imagery of her lying down in the field with her bridegroom. And notice what it says here. Psalm 23. You know this. The Lord is my what? Shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to do what? Lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Beloved, when the time of trouble is upon God's church, she is so in love with Jesus that while everything is going chaotic, she's saying, our bed is green. Ah, uh, you don't get it. Our bed is green. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yea, though I walk through the time of trouble, I still love you. Our bed is green. 
Beloved, quite different from the picture you have of their pulling their hair out. You know, that's what we're going to be doing at the time. We're pulling our hair out. No, beloved, while we may be struggling mentally, it is not because of our question of Christ's love for us. Because, beloved, we would have had such a relationship with him that we know. We know. We have that certainty. Amen? That assurance. And this is what the devil will try to test in the last days. Again, I want you to turn with me to Song of Solomon chapter 2. Song of Solomon chapter 2. And we're going to skim through this. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 8. Listen to what the Bible says here. This is the bride speaking. The voice of my beloved, behold, he what? He cometh, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Did you know that the second coming was a romantic event? Behold, my beloved cometh. I mean, how many of us want to look up when Jesus is coming and say, Lo, this is the one. Behold, my what? Beloved coming. Now measure that according to those who are so riddled with sin that when Jesus comes, they will run and hide, saying, Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, I want you to get the significance of that. Can you imagine walking down the street one day and you see somebody running in the other direction with their eyes wide open, terrified, and you're just like, oh, and, and they run, and they say, run for your lives, run for your lives, a lamb, a lamb. <laughs> you would look at that person like, what is the matter with you? But beloved, this is what the wicked cry out. Hide us from the face of the Lamb. The one who comes to rescue his people. The one who comes to save all that wood. They so misunderstood his character that they, they run in terror. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden. Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 10. Notice what the bridegroom says. Oh, this is beautiful. In answer to the bride saying, this is my beloved, behold, he cometh. Notice verse 10. The bridegroom says, my beloved, or the, rather the bride says, my beloved spake and said unto me, this is the bridegroom now speaking, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. Beloved, this is Jesus' invitation at that second coming where he says, come up, come up. The winter is over. The rain is gone. The time of trouble is ended. Come on, let's go home. Anybody interested? Let's go home. And then I want you to go with me to Song of Solomon chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says there, Thou art all fair, my love. This is the bridegroom speaking to his bride. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no what? Spot in thee. The bride has cleansed herself from every spot and wrinkle. 
Why? Because of her love for Jesus. She has been cleansed and purified by love. Amen. I need to find this. I hope I, I sure hope I can. Yes. Let me tell you how Jesus looks at his church. Okay, now look at verse 9. Notice what the bridegroom says to the bride. Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes. Is that romantic? In another place, I, I don't think I can find it here that quickly, but in another place, he says here, Turn away thine eyes from me because they have overcome me. Here it is. 6 verse 5. Song of Solomon chapter 6 verse 5. Turn away thine eyes from me for they have overcome me. Do, do you get this? Jesus says, turn away thine eyes from me for they have overcome me. It's like, don't, oh, don't look at me. You know, Husbands, one day when you're home, your wife walks in, go, oh! And she'll go, honey, what's the matter? Ah, stop! What, honey, what? Turn away your eyes from me. For they have overcome me. And I tell you, your, your wife will melt. And beloved, we ought to melt when we understand that Jesus is not out to, hmm, who am I? He, is, he loves his church. A love story. Amen? Notice with me Song of Solomon chapter 5. Song of Solomon chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says here, in fact, let me start with verse, I'll start with verse 1. I am coming to my garden, my sister, my spouse. This is, this is uh, the, bridegroom, the bridegroom speaking. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honey with my honeycomb. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O oh friends, and drink, yea, drink abundantly, O oh beloved. Now here's the bride speaking. I sleep, but my heart waketh. Let me ask you a question. When was God's church sleeping? Hmm? When was God's church sleeping? Come on, think about it. 18. Do you remember the, the, the parable of the 10 bridegroom? I mean, 10, the 10 virgins? And they were all asleep and then a call goes out to wake up the, the virgins. So I want you to listen as we read. I sleep but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh saying, Open to me my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with the dew and my locks with the, my locks with the drops, my locks with the drops of the night. 
So what you have here is that the bride is sleeping and then she hears a knock at a door and the bridegroom is saying, open the door. Verse 3, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? What do you mean put on my coat and come back out there? I'm ready for you to come. I have prepared myself. You're coming. I know you're coming. I read the prophecy that said that the door is about to open and you're about to come. What do you mean go back out there into the world? You're not following me. Let me, let me, let me read on some more. My beloved put his hand by the hole of the door and my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved. My hands dropped with myrrh, my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the, of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. I opened up to my beloved who I thought was coming according to a prophecy in Daniel chapter 8 verse 13, 14. But when the day came, I couldn't find my beloved. He was gone. Trying to help you out here. (laughs) And so, it goes on to say, My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Then it says, the watchmen that went about the city found me. They smote me, they wounded me. In other words, who are the watchmen? Those who are supposed to be standing on the gates of Zion, the pastors, the ministers, those are the watchmen. The watchmen found her and said, ha, 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 you thought that Jesus was coming. You thought that he was at the door. Hmm. It even says, they took away, or the keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. Oh man, are you following this? There was no veil. What do you mean Jesus entered into the most holy place through some veil? There's no sanctuary, you silly Seventh-day Adventists. And you know what? From that time until now, God's people have been ridiculed and laughed at and mocked at. But you know what the Bible tells us here in verse 8? When the woman will finally get an opportunity to speak to the world, listen to what she says. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, tell him to come and avenge me. Tell him they are persecuting me and I need to be rescued. Tell him that I am sick of love. That's another way of saying love sick. Now you don't catch that because the bride is being persecuted and just beaten and just whatever. And then the moment she gets a chance to speak, she says, Okay, when you find Jesus, just tell him that I love him. Oh, man. When she gets her opportunity to speak, she doesn't try to get revenge upon her persecutors. She is just so in love with Jesus, so lovesick, that that's all she can talk about. The final manifestation that this world needs to see is a revelation of the character of the love 
of Jesus. And now watch this. Now, now it's interesting that this is how the daughters of Jerusalem respond in verse 9. Remember, she spoke to the daughters of Jerusalem, which represent other churches. I want you to listen to verse 9. After they see this incredible display of the love of God, they go, wait a minute. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? Uh, (laughs) Wait a minute. What is your Jesus to you more than the Jesus that we serve? What's so special about this? There's something here that I see that interests me. Oh man, is anybody excited about it? (laughs) What is thy beloved more than another? What is thy beloved that thou dost so charge us? And now the bride gets to respond to give the gospel message about her beloved. And look at what she says. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters. Washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as gold rings set with beryl. His belly is as bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillars of marble set upon the sockets of gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, yea, he is altogether lovely this is my beloved and this is my friend O daughters of Jerusalem the loud cry (laughs) is a revelation of the character of God's love that's all she does the arguments have been presented now it's about lifting Jesus up come on don't you love him Don't you love him? I would do anything for him. How about you? Yeah, I guess I'll do anything for him. And now, beloved, listen to this. This is beautiful. You know what happens when God's people give the loud cry the way it is to be given, a revelation of the love of Jesus Christ? Look at the very next verse. Chapter 6, the, the, the other women respond this way. Chapter 6, verse 1. Whither is thy beloved gone, O thou fairest among women? Whither is thy beloved turned aside that we may seek him with thee? Whew. Wow. Wow. The revelation of Christ's love revealed through his people will cause the other women to say, okay, the Jesus you serve, is <laughs> that's the Jesus I want to follow. Where is he that I may follow him with you? Whew. Beloved, a love story. I want you to turn back with me to Song of Solomon chapter 4 verse 16. Song of Solomon chapter 4 verse 16, listen to the cry of the bride. She says, verse 16, Awake, O north wind, and come thou south. Blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out. In other words, beloved, the church gets to the place where they are so ready for Jesus to come that they say, Jesus, you can go ahead and let the four winds loose. It will just be as a sweet-smelling sacrifice to show you how much we love you. 
So as the devil puts on the heat, we just want to give you, Jesus, a little show of appreciation of how much we love you. So go ahead, let the winds go. We're ready, Jesus, to show you that no matter what happens, we love you. See, right now we're like, please don't let the winds go. (laughs) Why? Because the people of God are not ready. Why aren't we ready? (laughs) Is it because we don't yet have a revelation of the character of his love living in our hearts? Go with me again to Song of Solomon chapter 6 and verse 4. Song of Solomon chapter 6 and verse 4. Listen to what Jesus says. Oh, you know what? We already read that verse. Let's go ahead to verse 8, uh, chapter 6, verse, verse uh, where am I here? Verse, uh, <laughs> verse 8. That's right, verse 8. Listen to this, beloved. You know what? It amazes me in, the, in this day and time that there are so many, <laughs> you know, th- <laughs> let me just read it. Verse 8, God speaking here. There are three score queens and four score concubines and virgins without number. My dove, my undefiled is but one. Do you know the day is coming where Jesus is going to reveal who his woman is? Yeah, there, there, there are many women out there and many nice women too. Yes, they're doing good things and etc. But Jesus will show who his true church is in the last days. We don't need to worry about that. God himself will declare the bride. It's all right here before our very eyes. And then he says in verse 10, Verse, verse, verse 9, my dove, my undefiled is but one. She's the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her mother that, of the, of, she's the choice one of her that bear her. The daughter saw her and blessed her. Yea, the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. God says that everyone else will acknowledge it too. And then, who is she that looketh forth as the morning? Fair as the moon, clear as the sun. You remember that woman in Revelation 12 that is standing on the moon with the glory of the sun shining in her face because she is reflecting Jesus Christ? Standing upon the moon because as the moon reflects the sun, so the word of God reflects Jesus. She's standing on the word of God. Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners? God's church in the last days. And what is the banner? It's the banner of love. His banner over me is love, the bride says. It's love. I want to show you one more verse in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, and verse 6. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. 
The coals are of a coals of fire which has a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be condemned. When the devil comes and he says, take the mark of the beast or die, the bride will say, sorry, love is as strong as death. You get that? Those who reject the mark of the beast are those who love Jesus so much that they say, well, you know, you can just go ahead and take my life then because I will not reject my love. It's a love story. And now, beloved, I want to come to the culmination of this message because once we understand that the gospel is a love story and once we understand that it is preparing us for something greater, now we need to understand that heaven is a city of fire. And you say, Pastor, how? What do you mean heaven is a city of fire? Okay, I want you to listen. Do you remember when God came to Moses and Moses uh, uh, saw a bush that was what? That was burning? Do you realize that in that burning bush was the gospel in action? Moses looked at the bush and said, how is it that this bush is burning, but it is not what? Consumed. God was trying to illustrate to Moses the gospel plan in that burning bush. He was saying, Moses, this is what I want for you. Now think about this. In Daniel chapter 7, we are told that God sits upon a throne made of what? I shouldn't say made of. A throne covered in what? Fire. His throne was like a throne of fire and flame and his wheels as burning fire. Do you realize that Jesus says, To him that overcometh, I will grant him to sit in my Father's throne? <laughs> now, how are you going to sit in a throne of fire? <laughs> how are you going to sit in a throne of fire if you were not first burning here on earth? Not only is God's throne a throne of fire, not only is, 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 does he invite us to sit on that throne, but the Bible tells us that God himself is a what? consuming fire. The Bible says that his angels are like a flame of fire. The Bible even speaks in Revelation chapter 15 verse 2 that those who get the victory over the beast are standing on a sea of glass or stone mingled with fire. So, when God comes to get his people to take them back to heaven he is bringing them to a city of fire now what does that mean beloved very simple heaven is a city of love okay that's why it's all fire because everybody there is on fire for god So now watch this now, beloved. When you get to heaven and uh, God sees you and he wants to come over and, and just, come here, I just want to give you a great big hug. Do you realize what would happen if you were not prepared to see God face to face? 
Do you realize, in fact, that if you were to enter into this city of fire, that it would be like torture to you? See, God is love, the angels are love, and they all want to just come up and touch you and talk to you, but you'd be running from everybody in heaven. You would be running for your lives. So God's ideal for heaven is that he is preparing us to be able to stand on the sea of glass, mingle with fire. How many of you remember when, when, when uh, the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace? And what happened? Because they had the love of God burning in their hearts, they stood in the fire and were not, what? Consumed. Likewise, beloved, when we get to heaven, let me show you. Do you know that God wants to burn you forever? Did you know that God wants nothing more? Did you? God wants to burn you forever and ever and ever. And you never thought you would hear an Adventist pastor say something like that. And worse, you have it on film. But let me prove to you from the Bible that God wants to burn you forever. Turn with me to Isaiah 33 and verse 14. When you get there, please say amen. If you can, okay. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that is wicked... Wow. Wait a minute. I've always been told that it's the wicked that dwell with everlasting burnings. <laughs> no, beloved, it is not the wicked that dwell with everlasting burnings. It is the righteous that burn forever. How many of you want to burn forever? You never thought you'd answer yes to a question like that. What? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of the oppressions, that shaketh his hand from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood and shutting his eyes from seeing of evil, he will burn forever? Yes. Wow. Heaven, a city, a fire. In fact, beloved, God loves the wicked so much that he would not let them into heaven for that very reason. Did you catch that? You, let, let me read something to you, beloved. Great controversy, great controversy, page 542. Could those lives have been spent in rebellion? Could those lives that have been spent in rebellion against God be suddenly transported to heaven and witness the high, the holy state of perfection that exists there, every soul filled with love, every countenance beaming with joy, 
enrapturing music in melodious strains, rising in honor of God and the Lamb, the ceaseless streams of light flowing upon the redeemed from the face of him who sitteth upon the throne, could these whose hearts are filled with hatred of God, of truth, and holiness mingle with the heavenly throng and join their songs of praises? Could they endure the glory of God and the Lamb? No. No. Years of probation were granted them that they might form characters for heaven. But they have never trained the mind to love purity. They have never learned the language of, of heaven and now it is too late. Listen. A life of rebellion against God has unfitted them for heaven. Its purity, holiness, and peace would be torture to them. The glory of God would be a consuming fire. They would long to flee from that holy place. They would welcome destruction that they might be hidden from the face of him who died to redeem them. The destiny of the wicked is fixed by their own choice. Their exclusion from heaven is voluntary with themselves and just and merciful on the part of God. Did you hear that? Just and merciful on the part of God. Let me explain why this is. You see, when the wicked see the city of God descending, there, are, there is transparent walls. The wicked are going to be able to look into the city and see the righteous standing on the sea of glass, mingled with fire, and they're going to wonder, how is it that they are standing in the presence of God, standing on the sea of glass, mingled with fire, and yet they are not... And beloved, God is going to have to explain to them heaven is a city of fire. Heaven is a city of love. And, and so I can't let you win because you know the wicked are going to want to get in. You know that. They go up to take the city. They're going to want to get in. And they're going to be saying, why can't we get in? And the Bible says that God is going to do something. The Bible actually calls it his strange act. Ellen White calls it the mysterious farewell. You see, beloved, as the wicked are saying, why can't we enter into the city of heaven? And God tries to explain, and they're not going to understand. And God says, okay, the only thing left for me to do is to demonstrate why you cannot enter the city of heaven. And here's how he's going to demonstrate it. God will hug the wicked one last time. With those great arms of fire, which represent his love. He will embrace the wicked one last time. And as the wicked feel that embrace, they will get a taste of heaven. And it will be hell for them. It is like David crying over his son, Absalom. Jesus, the father, stretches out those arms and hugs the wicked. And the wicked, when they understand that if they were to enter heaven in their state, it would be eternal torment, 
say, please destroy us. And God, because He is love, destroys them. Leaving them, according to Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, neither root nor branch. Turning them into ashes. And now you see what the devil has done. It's the righteous that burn forever. God loves the wicked too much to burn them forever. But the devil has somehow twisted the teaching to say that it's the wicked that burn forever. And God is capable of doing something like that. Now how do you, how do you add up God is love with he keeps you burning in the fire forever and ever and ever and ever and to torture you. And just when you're about to pass out he says, ha ha, no, we have only begun. No, beloved, God is love. God is love. And even in his destruction of the wicked, it is still seen that God is love. So, I will close with a thought for you. In the flood, There was a set of living things that was not found in the ark and yet was not destroyed. Did you know that? You read the account, all the animals that went into the ark, the rest of them died, Uh, the people, the rest of them died, but there was one set of creatures that were outside of the ark that were not destroyed. You know what those creatures were? They were the sea creatures. You read the account, it says, everything that flew in the air and moved upon dry ground in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. Why didn't the sea creatures die? Very simple. God rained down water on the earth, but it did not affect the sea life because they were already sea creatures. In the last days, God is going to rain fire on this earth. flame on who will be the ones that survive those who are fire creatures those who have understood who have learned what it means to be baptized with his fire and to have that fire of God burning in the heart and so consuming them that when Jesus comes it's just like fire and fire Are you fire or are you cool or are you cold? Beloved, it is because of sin that we can't touch fire these days. But fire was never meant to be a fearful thing. The reason why God made heaven in this fiery state is simply because heaven is a city of love. But our sin has caused us to look at fire as something evil, just like the fish creatures may say, whoever wants to go to the air, that would be torture. 
Beloved, God has made us to be able to dwell again in the midst of the stones of fire. I want to stand there. Would you come sing for us? this world have come in and have caused you to only give half of your heart and half of your mind and and you have just been cool or cold or lukewarm and yeah it's a it's a hard appeal it's hard to stand up and say you know what that's that's me but beloved the love of the bride for the bridegroom because of that proposal in front of the whole watching universe how difficult is it is it for us to stand up before a few people to show lord 
I want to accept your proposal in my life. I want to flame on. I want to burn for you. And Lord, I know, I know that there is so much more I could be doing. I am just living a life that is not really dedicated to you. If you are here tonight and you want to make a commitment tonight to Jesus before the watching universe, would you come down? how the Lord is going to tell you. I don't know what it is that you need to do. But beloved, I want you to know that the only thing that can keep us in the love of God is to be baptized with the fire of God. It's a love story. Your relationship with Christ is a love story. Do you love him? If you do, that fire will burn within you. And I'm not saying it's a fire of emotion. Every day you're going to get up and you're going to... Beloved, it's a fire that is above human feeling. Amen? It is a supernatural fire. And God says, I want to give this fire to you. I want to help you to flame on so that when I come again, I can give you the biggest hug. How many of you want to hug Jesus? How many of you want to hug Jesus? And now for the rest of you out there, you're saying, Lord, just help me to be ready. If that's your desire, just stand to your feet. Lord, help me to be ready. Help me to be ready. Amen. Let me, let me say this. You know, Restoration has Bible workers that are here to, to help to walk you through your commitment to Christ. And I don't know, you know, where the Bible workers are. I don't even know who they are. But you make it a point. You know who Restoration is. You know where Restoration is. And they, I'm not saying just Restoration, but beloved... Get, get connected. If you need to get connected, don't go out there. You know, when I first came into the church, my friend who brought me into the church was, was <laughs> dreadlocked, smoking marijuana with me, seven-day Adventist, backslid. And I remember one day we were talking, and we were just sitting down, and uh, he said, you know, if you take a burning stick, Or rather, if you take a bundle of sticks and, and light them, what's going to happen? I said, oh, all the sticks are going to burn. And then he said, if you take one of those sticks and move it away from the bundle of burning sticks, what will happen to that stick? And I said, the stick would go out. And beloved, the point hit, I, that was years ago. I never forgot that conversation. It lasted two minutes. He said, what happens if you take that stick and put it back in the burning bundle? And I said, it will get on fire again. 
ever since that day, I have made sure that I surround myself with burning sticks. Beloved, surround yourself with burning sticks. And if you're out there alone, if you get back in with the bundle, you will burn again. So let's burn now. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, you have drawn us together in an incredible way this week. Father, you have shown us things from your word that has left us awestruck. Lord, you have spoken to our hearts. You have spoken to our minds. Lord, you have called us jurors and grasshoppers. You have explained to us that greater is he that masters himself than he who masters another. Lord, you have revealed to us supernatural weapons and the supernatural world. Father, you have pulled the plans back over the devil's trickery. We have seen the way that he has intended to use the entertainments of this world. And Father, you have opened our eyes to the unseen. And now, Father, you command us to burn and to burn forever. Thank you, Lord. What more could we ask for? And even now, Lord, as you're putting it upon the hearts of your people to come together and pray for the outpouring of the Spirit, we see that we are even getting more. Lord, what more can we ask for? Justify us, Lord, and help us that we may be able to freely justify others as well. And Father, may the third angel's message become a burning reality in our hearts. And may we remember that there is no reason ever to sin. Grant us your mind, Lord, that we may live 33 and a half years in a day every day. Guard us from the devil's eyeglasses, from his thought bombs and feel bombs. And finally, we ask, Lord, that you would allow us to be connected. Connected forever.
to you and to one another. May not one person in this room be shaken out and grant us the blood of the Lamb that we may bruise the head of the serpent. And Father, as we close, may we be your star warriors, turning many to righteousness. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.